I'm going to, before I even start to start, I'm going to start with a verse I uh, thought about this week, and then I was looking through some old notes from 25 years ago, and I had this little side note against this verse that said, my summary of life. The verse is Hebrews 11:6, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And my, my three-point summary of life as a 20-something-year-old was, life is hard, there is a God, and he will reward me. And I, I, I might tweak it a bit, but it's not bad. Like, there's something, like no, nothing captures all the truth, but there's something about that. And, and I've, just had, I've just been in this season of life where I've been really, really confused. And I don't know if you've had those seasons, but sometimes what's helpful is to try to strip away and, quite frankly, your, your, your brain will want to make things more complicated. And, and what might be helpful is to strip away and kind of get back to some kind of foundation and some base. And, and I was in the midst of this spin, um, mental spin, churn, just, I don't know, I, I'm just going around the track over and over, the same track, and I can't get off of it. And, and into that, however this happens, into my brain pops this story from the Bible just recently. And that's the story I'm going to read for you, and then I'm going to share with you a little bit of my entering that story. It's, okay, it's a weird story, so hang with me. Um, it's found in Genesis 17. And God said, to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. And this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Thus saith the Lord, let us all memorize and make cross-stitch about this fantastic verse <laughs> that will now set us free. Like it's, okay, so I'm, now I'm going to tell you my story of entering into this story. This part is not necessarily the Word of God, but is a cousin. <laughs> and so I am I'm driving, and I'm in the midst of this churn, and in, into my little brain pops, and my immediate response is, as I'm entering in my imagination this story, and I'm trying to, and I don't know, and I'm, and I'm just, I just start laughing. I'm just laughing, and I'm, I can't stop laughing, and I, I, I'm, I'm in the, I'm hearing God, and I'm trying to respond to God going, wait, it sounded to me like you said you wanted me to cut my penis off, and, um, and, and then, you know, and God goes, no, 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 just the tip, and I'm going, oh, oh, oh well, okay, okay, well, that's not any better. What? So what? 10%. 10%. Yeah, 10%. There we go. And, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to be crude, but I'm just telling you, this is my experience with this story, and it's in the Bible, so I shouldn't have to be too shy about it. And I I'm, and I'm just keep laughing, like, 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 are you serious, God? Like, you want me to, like, God, of, of, my, of all my body, like, that's my favorite part. And, 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 
And the part that I'm a little most protective of, like if I flinch, that's, yeah, I just can't help it. This is all of my instincts, every piece of me says, no way. <laughs> like, there is no circumstance in which I can envision this is a good idea. Like, it doesn't make, it, there's nothing about this that would make sense to me. I, I don't understand what this, what you're asking me to do, what does that have to do with anything? And what I said as I was in this story was that, that seems impossible. That feels impossible. And of course, I, I, was, I was thinking, aren't there other scenarios, like sort of this negotiation with God? Like, I've got parts of my body. I'm, like, I could keep a little toenail jar for you. I've got plenty of those, and I'll, I'll, you can get them all. Everyone's yours, or my hair. Or... But this story, I don't. This seems, it seemed to me as I was answering this story, it seemed impossible. And the reason I think this story is a, another telling of all of our stories. And, and by the way, I'll, I'll make a little note. I, like, well, where do women enter into this story? Well, women, are, women have brothers and, and fathers and uncles and nephews. And so it's not like, well, it sucks to be you. I mean, you would know as a mother, as a matter of fact. Which would you prefer? To watch your 13-year-old boy experience that kind of pain or humiliation or whatever it might all entail, or would you rather have that yourself? Well, you would much rather take that on yourself. So it isn't, it isn't a, just a, a gender-specific. It is our story as people, and it's, it's telling this story that we can all envision that feels impossible. So that's what I want to... I'm going to talk a little bit about this, this thing called faith, and how this story it tells the story of faith. And I could talk every week till my death. And quite frankly, that's really all we're ever talking about. We're always talking about this thing called faith. And, and how we, and, and we have moments where we get it and then moments we don't get it. But we keep telling the story over and we keep engaging with this story. I'm not going to resolve all the questions about faith. Next week, we'll have another go at it. And the week after that, another go. And between now and the end of our walking, we're going to be talking about this idea of faith. How do you know when you've heard from God? Well, we have both kind of in the story and in our own experiences, there's, there's other, this is what I've, I've noticed, that God can come sort of audibly. He, he it seems in the, in the scriptures and maybe with a few people even still today, it, it, it's like he maybe rings the doorbell and, and you answer and you, and you hear him. And, and very often, God's voice comes through a, uh, a messenger. David had his encounter with the, the messenger, the prophet of God who confronted him. And sometimes I think the Bible can sometimes play that role as a, as a messenger. My, my wife has been God's messenger. Your friends, a, a sermon, all, that's not an uncommon way. And then there's another way which is maybe a combination of all of that, which is in Romans when it says that those of us who are his children are led by him. And it, there seems to be this intuition also that connects and 
and I'm here. And all of those are hearing from God. But, but what I want to distinguish is just hearing and, and conversation. And, but what this moment when my response is this, that's impossible. You see, that's when I think there's almost more certainty that I'm hearing from God. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, how do you know it's actually God? Well, if it feels like it is too hard or it feels like it's impossible or it is too painful, there is more likelihood that that's God. If it triggers in you an, un, un, an unbelievable sense that you're unqualified or you can't, that, that tips the scales towards more likely to be God. And if you feel a pretty, a deep sense of uncertainty and not seeing it all, and it, for me that tips the scale towards that this is the likelihood of being God. And I can't speak for anyone else that what is or not for sure the voice of God in your own life. But those are the ones that as I look back in my life has it seems to be the greater likelihood that it was God. When my response is there is no way. That can't be true. With that in our in our story, our, our written story, we have these these, these moments, um, I, I think about, I think about Noah, and God rings Noah's doorbell, and, and as we enter into that story of Noah, he, he says to Noah, hey, Noah, um, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I need to sort of, I'm going to wipe out the hard drive and kind of do a complete reboot. And and so what I'm going to do is there's going to be this, we're going to, I'm going to flood the earth. <laughs> you got to remember, Noah listening to the story in Genesis 6 is going, what's a flood? There, there hasn't, there's no such thing as a flood. Like, that's a new, that's never happened. What, what is that? And, and God says, well, it's a long story. It's, it's just a lot of water. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to build a boat. And I want you to build this boat and we get some idea. There's, you know, like one and a half football fields long and, you know, almost a football field wide. I mean, this is a big boat. And, and, and Noah's, Noah probably knows what a boat is. So in his mind, he's saying, okay, now, it probably, God, should, should I build that near some water? And God goes, no, I'll take care of that part. So just entering into the story, Noah in, in the middle of this big empty field in his neighborhood is beginning to build a boat because of a flood that is one and a half football fields long about. Now, now here's the other part about this story of faith and, and God asking us to do something and then sort of when everything's going to happen. And almost always, not always, but almost always, there's this huge time gap. And so in this story, kind of conservative estimates are like 50 years. Between 50 and 100 years is, are these guesses at how long it took Noah because he had other things to do and what's going on to do this. So you're Noah's neighbor. Like, your entire life with your neighbor is watching him build a boat for something that you don't know what is, that doesn't make sense. Would you let your kids play with his kids? <laughs> I mean, be honest. 
He's insane. And every time you ask him, Noah, why? He has this very sophisticated response, right? I don't know. God said. That's all he's got. Like, literally, that's all he has. Is I think God said. Every story has that element. Like, I, at the end, they go, I don't know. I, I think God said. You feel stupid. I'm just going to tell you right now. You feel, have you ever had that experience where you're trying to explain something? And all the, and you try, and you try, and you try, and try, and try, and at the end of all your talking, you go, oh, I don't know, I think, I think this is what God said. <laughs> well, that's pretty weak. Abraham, same, same guy that we're, we've been talking about, this, the, the same story of, 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 of a guy who's, who's old and being asked to do things that aren't even possible. So just, by, just so you know, my laughing at God is not unprecedented in the Scripture. Because in just a couple of, of paragraphs, it, it says that God rings the doorbell again, and, and he says, hey, and he, he's told him about this earlier, but now he's sort of reinforcing it. I'm going to give you a son. Abraham's almost 100 years old, 99 years old, and it says in the Scriptures, it says that Abraham is bowing before him, and he's laughing. So he's doing both. He's like, okay, okay, you're God, you're God. <laughs> like, God. And, then, and then, he's, then he, in his generosity, is giving God an out. Because he's just so magnanimous. God, <laughs> that's fine. Ishmael will do. That's no problem. And God's going, no. No, with your, your wife. With Sarah. And, and the Bible describes this, this exchange. Like, in, in the... In the, in the olden days, not having children, this is horrible, but the truth is that was the, that was the woman's fault. That was, you know, if you're of childbearing age and you're not having kids, it, she is barren. Nobody's going, I think he's shooting blanks. It's, it's them, all right? But, but when you're a hundred, so Sarah's laughing too, and she's laughing because she goes, I know my plumbing got shut down and winterized, but so did his. He's a hundred. Like the thing that, the magic that makes babies hadn't been happening for a long time. And so they're both laughing. In both stories, they both laugh. And God gets the last laugh. And God makes a baby. Thirteen years later, about, we'll say. Ding dong. Now, Abraham's doing pretty good with this God showing up so far. Like, he's gotten a big land, he's gotten kind of a big, a, 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 a big covenant, and God, God rings the doorbell. Hey, God, so good to see you. Hey, by the way, that last visit with the kid, awesome. Just want to mention that. Like, that's amazing. You know, he, I don't know what he did. He built, like, put a little, bolted a little car seat to his walker. He's 100 years old, going, you know, <laughs> this is my son Isaac. Like his life, after all those years of waiting, and God says, oh, I, that's who I want to talk to you about. I want you to take Isaac. I want you to go up to Mount Moriah National Park, and I want you to sacrifice him. I, I think I've told you that I can almost guarantee you almost every sermon in some way will include my granddaughter. I don't know if I've mentioned that, but I'm warning you. And so, like, my granddaughter, like, I'm sympathetic, like, my daughter 
you guys know all about my story and having to get married and all that, and I was really, really young. Well, my redemption was going to be, I was going to be like the world's youngest granddad at least, because now I was going to put all my, and my daughter, my daughter waited 12 years. Now, I, I, and I told her when I got married, here's what I want. I, I want a grandbaby, but I don't want to be one of those meddling kind of dads. I don't want to be always, I'm not going to hound you about this. That's not fair. So here's what I'm going to do, sweetie. I'm going to put away some money. And every year there is not a grandbaby. Some of that money goes away, so it's all on you. <laughs> this is your choice, not my choice. All right? Twelve years. I, rem- I, I, I had to fly, you know, the, the birth mom was having, my, my granddaughter's adopted, and so the birth mom goes into labor, and I, I got there about 15 minutes after Frankie was born. And the... And I will, I think I may have shared this with you, there is a room filled with people because there's Carla and my son-in-law and, and the parents and then there's the birth, the birth people and their parents and their friends and it's this huge, and there is this huge party going on. The birth mom had not been drinking for nine months so there's, there's, some, there's some champagne popping and booze going on and they're having a party and my daughter and, her, and I walk into this room and 12 years of dreaming and I am the only one who uncontrollably begins to cry. You're probably familiar with that as I've preached here before. But, and I can't stop. And I know what it is. It's the, it's, the, it's the wanting that has come true. And I'm holding this promise. This, it's, I was unbelievable. I waited 12 years. Abraham has got almost a hundred of those. We'll say 80, I don't know. 80 years, and long, long past when it was ever going to happen. And now he's on this walk, and they, they leave everybody, and just he and Isaac walk up, and they, they, build, the, they, build, the, they build the altar, as God told them, and, and they create this, this it's, it's really just a pyre. It's, 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 you know, there's kindling being put underneath, and it's, now, see, the, in, in, in Hebrews 11, and then even in the text here, we, we, we would discover that there's a sense in which Abraham believes that Isaac will be resurrected. And so we can, you can sort of skim through, well, he knows he's coming back. I, the Bible gives us enough details that it says that Abraham in, sort of has to capture Isaac, and he ties him up. Now remember, Abraham's pretty old, and he, and he sets his son on this altar. Isaac has seen a sacrifice before, and his dad is old, and he's, I don't know, but I'm imagining he begins to, it, it transitions from, this is kind of weird, when he sees the knife, he begins to scream, would all of us scream? Why? Why? And I cannot imagine entering into the pain of that moment and the loneliness of Abraham's answer. Because God said, and that's all he has. The scriptures record for us the rescue of of Isaac. But it doesn't take away the horror that he was literally in this position 
And his only answer is, because God said. Well, you see, it's because God said that is the root of our faith. I'll show you what I mean. Okay, I need somebody whose birthday, just so this can be totally random, because you're going to be a really lucky person. See if I can find it here. My, I got it here some, written somewhere. Um, but you're going to be really lucky. So whoever is, whose birthday is closest to May 1st? Anybody have a birthday today? Do you really? All right, come up here. All right, do you mind coming up here? You win. You're the winner. Let's come on down. All right, where did it? You guys all saw me fix this. Hold on. I'm, you would have thought I would have had this. Oh, you should be. All right. All right, here you go. So, I'm going to, if it's okay, I'm going to give you an IOU. Would that be all right? But it's good because it's your birthday. Okay, and I, you've told me your name before, but I forgot. What is it? Carolyn. Carolyn. Okay, so let me, Carolyn. All right. So, I, Carl, owe you, Carolyn, $5 million. That's not bad, isn't it? Lucky you. All right, there you go. All right, okay. Hey, come on, give her a little love. Like, is inflation so bad that like $5 million gets a... Like, that's, there you go. Like, not every day. Not every day you get to see that. All right? I'm just, I, I, I'm going to just be, I'm trying to be honest and transparent. It hurts my feelings a little bit. There were no pictures taken, but never, that's all right. That's up to you. But here's my suspicion that my, um, my IOU is, uh, well, you're kind of going, it's only as worth as much as the signature, right? Yeah. And you're going, yeah, there's no chance, Right? If, if I were Donald Trump, all right, is it too soon? Is it too soon? Like, maybe, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. That's like I'm, but I'm trying, I don't know who else. I don't know. Warren Buffett. I don't know. I'm trying to think of somebody. Like, really, all that matters is who's written that. Everybody makes promises, right? Everybody's making these kind of deals in one sense. What you're looking for is who's signing at the bottom. Our story is rooted in hope, but hope is not a check or an IOU written by me. It is rooted in something. It's rooted in the person saying it, promising it, speaking to us. It doesn't resolve every component of the anxiety surrounding faith, but it changes the story. I, I, was, I was thinking... Those of you that are old enough, I have, not, I have no, really no relationship to football or sports almost at all anymore, but I used to in the 80s and 90s. It was my entire life. I, I coached, I, my son played, I, I mean, my whole life. And every Sunday after church, all of us, my, a whole big, we all got together and we just worshiped at the little CBS box. And, um, and it was so fun. And I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but I'm just going to really quick, remember 1986, The Drive? And I remember, and so I could remember sitting there watching. The drive was against Cleveland. As we were the, the Cinderella story. We were going to go to the playoffs, but there was only two minutes left in the game, and we had to get the entire length of the field and score a touchdown. And I don't want to spoil it for you, but we did. 
And I remember, and so as that's happening, we would call it, oh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. That's not really hope in the sense of the way the Bible talks about hope. What that is is, is, is wishing. I'm wishing, I'm wishing, I'm wishing. And then it happens. And the reason I thought about that was because years later, somebody had a tape from that day, and they put it in. And I'm feeling almost all the same emotions, but now I'm not wishing because I know how it ends. Now I'm hoping. The, the, the story is a hard, long, impossible story, but I get a glimpse of how it ends. And I know who has written the check. Faith also is this, it, it's important we understand sort of the, the order of response. Even in this story about circumcision, it's really important you understand that, that God, God, the, 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 the great asker and great provider, makes a request. And in response to that, in faith, though it doesn't really make sense to me, I say yes. It's really important. That is the really crucial piece. He asks, and I say yes. Because what will happen over time is people believe that I can manipulate God. And they believe that I can do the thing, and then God is on the hook. That it's a way to force the hand of God. See, this whole, this whole conversation that we will, we will have for all of church history about faith and works, and I don't understand it all, but I think it has something to do with this, that, that works is when I am sort of manipulating, doing the same thing doing the good thing or the circumcision or the, or the giving to the poor, whatever it is, but I'm doing it to solicit a response from God. But faith is when I'm responding to God. I, um, see, I, I think this, this has its, um, th this response of, this response of, gosh, that seems impossible, works in all these categories, so I tested it. I thought about what I understood to be what God says about sex and sexuality, and I started thinking, <laughs> so you're saying, God, one person, like for my whole life, like that's it, one. Like, God, that's not how I'm, I mean, you know, you did all the wiring, God. So you know that I am, because you made me, I'm not really wired that way, God. I am, I'm not monogamous. Like I'm, I see lots of things I want. But you're saying, God, that there's a better story if I actually pick a partner who is the sort of the biological in every other way opposite of me. That's the better story? Or God, I'm sorry, money. I'm sorry. It sounded like you were saying you wanted, you wanted me to give some, you wanted me to give that away. So let me see if I can get that right. So God, you're saying that I'm supposed to go out there and get money, earn money, and then I'm supposed to take that money and 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 give it to other people. And oh, you're saying it's all your money, God. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait. So you're saying this is all your money? Like this is all of it, no matter like, like none of it's mine. And that is the way to life? Power? 
<laughs> I'm sorry, God. So uh, we're, I hear, you know, money, sex, and power. Those are the big ones, right, God? So, so power, you're saying that, that if, I, if I understand you right, that the first will be last, and the last will be first. God, what, what universe do you live in? Because that's not the world I live in. Like, I, haven't, I have not sort of existentially experienced that. That all these big areas of life to the smallest areas, it feels impossible. So God, how can I do this? I went to a doctor recently, and I really like this doctor. This doctor said, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't care why somebody walks in the door. I don't care if they have a broken leg, if they're depressed. I don't care. The first thing I tell them is to get off gluten. <laughs> I will just tell you this. So whatever you think about that, I don't care. What I'm saying is I feel like that because even this week I was with somebody and I was having this good conversation. And I said, I, I feel like it doesn't matter what somebody says. The answer seems to always be something to do with Jesus and community. Like I, like, I feel like I'm just, as, like I could just write it down, Jesus and community, and hand it out. And, and I feel bad because it's like, I'm, like I just have this little cliche answer. But I, I, I do think it's true. Even in the story of faith, it's not just this story of sort of me and Jesus, but it is us. You see, God does not have a resource problem. But God has a distribution problem, from, in my opinion. There is plenty of food to feed the world. I don't think that's any issue. The problem is that, that God has trusted people to get it out there. I don't think that there is actually a lack of hope in the world. But not all of us have the same amount. I don't think there's a, there's a, a lack of the resource of joy. I don't think there's a lack of the resource of faith. It is, it is not a, it's not a resource problem, but it can be a distribution problem in that we have to tell our stories. Here's what I like about the stories of faith, is that we, we're entering in one of three phases of it. We're, some of us at the beginning of a story, we think we have heard God asking for the impossible. Some of us have said, yes, I trust the signer of the IOU, and I'm in the middle of that story, but in a very, very common part is this long, long waiting. These, these the, the loudness of our whys. Why the pain? Why? How, why? Why am I still single? Why am I still lonely? Why am I still hurting? Why am I still addicted? Why? Why? And then there's some of us who have experienced in little moments, ah, I see it. I entered for a moment this promised land, this covenant that I so want to believe and have been believing, and we tell that story. So all of our stories help each other. But the truth is, in my life, I'm embarrassed by my story. 
My story isolates me. This is my story. This isn't the truth of the scriptures. This truth of the scriptures, our story and our all, our angst with the story is what actually unites us. But my living that often is in shame and I become isolated. And when I'm isolated, good things don't happen. That's my, um, that's my story of faith. I don't know where you are in the, those stories of faith. If you, if even as we're having this conversation, you're thinking of something you've said, that's impossible to God. The story of, of forgiveness may feel impossible to you. How, how can I forgive someone who betrayed me or abused me? How can I trust in your goodness when I see pain? How can I do this? How? How? And that's the part where we're together. I am... Um, I... I don't... There's something about... The, the, the winsomeness of Jesus that is manifest that he is not put off by my inability even after all these years um, to just always say yes right away. Like you would think, he, doesn't he have the right to go, Carl, look, just look, look at all the things I've done for you. Like, why is it that still, after all these years, when I ask you from his perspective something which is no big deal, I'm being honest, like from God's perspective, it can't be that big a deal. Like, he, he sees something in a way I don't see. And, and he doesn't go, I'm done with you. That's it. I'm tired of having to do this over and over and over. Because every week I come to communion, every week I come to the bread and I come to the cup, it's the same thing over and over. I'm just, from my story, this makes... There's a moment. This doesn't make sense. Like, you're saying, God, you're saying that, that his life can be broken and, and I just have to have faith to believe. I just have to, I have to say, respond in a yes to the... And that, that that makes life work? Yeah. That doesn't seem possible. It's almost laughable. This is my body which is broken for you. Take and, and eat. So let me, let me see if I understand you, Lord. You're saying that the cup, the cup is your blood of the, the new covenant. And you're saying that from this moment each week and for all eternity, it's not on me? There is no instinct that says, I'm not responsible for you liking me, God. I have no instinct in that direction. There's not one cell in my body, quite honestly, that vibrates with that being true. But you're saying, it's all on you.
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I say yes to that as best I can. This is the juice. This is the blood of the, of the new deal, the new covenant. When you drink this, you, you, you proclaim its truth once again. We enter the story, and the dark cup is the wine. So we invite you to believe once again. And you, you may be like me, sometimes you're going, last week I did it, and I was so full of believing, and I had a really crappy week, and I'm a little embarrassed. I don't, I'm not going to do it this week because I'm just a hypocrite. It's just stupid. i, I got to quit doing this. Every week? Yeah. See, that's what qualifies you. See, if you come going, yeah, of course it's for me. I'm, all, I'm so good with God. Like, of course. I don't really need it. These other schmucks might, but I'll go along with it. Yeah, however you come to it, it's because we need it. And it is once again practicing our yes into an impossible story told by a loving God. As I was in that moment rehearsing that story, I had, a, I had this experience that has only happened to me a few times in my life where I had this sense of almost audibly hearing God and, and I was saying, it's impossible, it's impossible. And God said, no, it's really, really hard. And that's all I heard. So, Father, we are entering into this moment that you have made the impossible possible. And in the hardness, you sit with us. Oh, God, we crave for you to answer why, and you rarely do. But you join us, and we invite and open our hearts to that. As best we can, putting no barrier on you, we just want to say yes. Amen. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let's run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Amen.